0: on the Word podcast. We're looking at the parables of Jesus and we've started looking at Matthew and then checking with the various cross references we have in Mark and Luke. And so we've just seen the parable in the 20th chapter of Matthew, where uh, about the laborers that uh, had been hired to go work in the vineyard, and what Jesus was speaking and what he was teaching to those that were listening, that the last shall be first, And the first, last. And he was actually dealing with uh, issues with his own disciples. He was dealing with how they were responding. Peter said, hey, you know, we've left everything for you. What are we going to get out of this? And so the next parable we see is uh, toward the end of the 21st chapter. And, you know, I started to jump down there and just go into it. But as I've been emphasizing, it's so important to see the context that the writer's given us, in this case, Matthew and his gospel, because when you sort of when you see the context and what's building up to it, it means even more. Uh, in chapter twenty-one, uh, the particular parable starts off with something like uh, Jesus saying, "And now here's what's happening." Okay, and he gives them a parable. But you must understand what the now is. So I thought maybe this episode and the next one, we'll just read through the context, read through Matthew twenty and twenty-one, the way you can see what the flow is and what the issues are. So Matthew 20, verse 17, which is where we left off, says this. As Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem, so where was he going? He was about to go to Jerusalem. He took the 12 disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, so they're on their way to Jerusalem. He takes the 12 disciples off to the side. Now, there's other people all about him. There's other disciples other learners, other people that are learning about him. But he takes the 12, and he says this to them in verse 18. Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day he will be raised up." So here, Jesus is speaking of himself. He called himself the Son of Man. The disciples knew that by then. And that echoes what you see in Daniel. And that was the reason that the religious rulers just went crazy when he used that term for himself. But he told them what's going to happen. And this is actually the third time that he's told them that he's going to die. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem. And, I mean, from where they were, up literally means you're going up a mountain. Okay, we're going up to Jerusalem. And he tells them, this is what's going to happen. The chief priests and the scribes, they're going to condemn me to death. So the religious ruler is going to do this. And he said, then they're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. Why are they going to do that? Well, they don't have the authority to execute him. They can condemn him to death all day long. But they are, the Romans are the ones that have the authority over that from the political point of view. So they're going to hand me over to the Gentiles. They're going to mock me and scourge me. Then, verse 20 says this, then... So then, in other words, there's another thing that happens. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with with her sons (laughs) bowing down and making a request of him. You know, quite often you'll hear this particular thing right here, how uh, the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus. But we forget that the sons were with her, came to Jesus with her sons. And Jesus said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said to him, we are able. Okay, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, wasn't it? He said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it has been pre- prepared by my father. So he's saying, you know, you're asking for something that I don't I can't grant right now. My father is the one that's prepared this. He will do this. You know, you think that you're prepared for this. But, you know, you probably aren't, but you will be because he tells them, "My cup, you shall drink." What is the cup? Well, it's the cup of sacrifice, the cup of the fact that, and he had just told him, I'm about to be killed. Okay, I'm going to be killed. He said, you're going to suffer this also. Now verse 24, and hearing this, the ten became indignant <laughs> with the two brothers. Well, you reckon? Can you imagine the dynamics of that? <laughs> yeah, sometimes we forget that, don't we? Uh, we forget that these uh, these men are just like we are in the way that they act and react. Verse 25, but Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life a ransom, many. So Jesus is still dealing with his disciples here. He's still dealing with what they had said earlier the way they're feeling what's happened. Now they're indignant because of what's going on. He says no no the way of the kingdom is totally different than the way of the world. The Greatness in the kingdom is in the area of serving. Okay, You shall be the slave to one another's way. He puts it whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. He said the son of man has done this and set the example for you. I didn't come here to be served, but I came to serve to the point of giving my life as a ransom for many. It really shows us how we are to live as the body of Christ. And when you see these truths right here and see how we live, particularly uh, in religious organizations and religious organization leadership and things like that, it has we, you see nothing reflective of the way of Jesus right here. You see everything is the way of the world. Now let me read the last few verses of this chapter. Uh, verse 29. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. My, can you imagine it? What happened right here? The crowd... The ones following, they're all crying, shh, be quiet, be quiet. You know, they were being embarrassed by these people crying out for Jesus. Sadly, many, many who profess to be believers do the same thing. We're embarrassed by those who cry out for Jesus. We're embarrassed by those who uh, worship Jesus in a particular way, who walk before him in a particular way. They caught Jesus' attention. He stopped, and he called them. And then he asked him one of the most profound questions, and the question that I want to leave us with today. For all of us, he looked at them and said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And they just just told him, said, Lord, we we want our eyes to be opened. And Jesus was moved with great compassion. And he touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him, Uh, regained perhaps they had had sight before and they've lost it through the years for whatever reason. But he healed them. That is the question, okay? I know I've got one thing for that. I'm going to take before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I want you to do for me. And he knows our heart on that, you know, not not from a greedy, malicious intent or anything. But the Lord says, what do you want me to do for you? Whatever that is, take it before the Lord. And I greatly anticipate getting some seriously powerful testimonies about what the Lord is doing and what he has done for you. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for your time. I'll see you in the next episode.